And now, coming to you live from our Coast to Coast Trading Desk, this is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast recorded in front of a live Discord audience where we discuss everything from the market, the economy, all of the micro-forces shaping the larger world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time another really jam-packed week, trying to keep things smoother, calmer, as the rest of the media collectively loses its mind over a very volatile market, over a very hot CPI print, commodity prices are on the rise, quality of easing is over, and rates are going up as well, so we're finally seeing the mechanisms of our market try to take control of the situation while Europe, while the European situation continues to spiral as talks between Ukraine and Russia fall apart amid, uh, you know, just continued grind for Maripol as well as Kyiv. Uh, we're not going to jump too much into the actual Ukraine situation, folks. Uh, obviously, prayers up to any of our listeners who are from Ukraine and just the Ukrainian people in general, hoping that, you know, even though we're three weeks deep into this process, that it ends quickly. But obviously, we're focusing on this from a market's perspective, so we're going to be talking more about those kinds of numbers. To do that with me, though, audience, as always, I'm joined by Justin Kramer, CEO and co-founder here at Moby.co, as well as our chief analyst. Justin, man, what's good? What's life like now? You're uh, over here more on the West Coast side of things. That's uh, good. Um, busy, and uh, the markets are crazy. I feel like every time I get on this show, I just keep saying how crazy in the world it is, and it just never ceases to amaze me at this point. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. Hopefully things uh, calm down soon for everyone's sake. The incredible thing is that it's not even like a downturn. It's just volatility reigning. Day after day after day, we see, oh, markets are super green on, on certain pieces of news. Now markets are super red. Obviously, the market's turning mega red today now that the CPI print has come out at a strong 7.9%. We got inflation that's the highest it's ever been since the 70s. The only really good news about that is, of course, um, uh, that it's in line with people's expectations. Like, we're not, we haven't hit peak inflation yet, but hopefully rates being raised can hopefully as we do this very slowly, get a little bit of control on the situation. But obviously with the war in Ukraine, we're going to be talking about commodities prices and that kind of inflationary pressure, and that will potentially drive things up even more. So a lot of really complex competing forces right now, all around basically the prices of stuff here in America. So Justin, like, you know, we've been talking about the CPI a lot. Every month we kind of have like a mini panic attack about it. What are your thoughts? Like, is CPS at 7.9%? Obviously, automotive, energy, and gasoline are the primary drivers there. Uh, is there anything else we can look at in terms of like how the CPI print is going? Like how are we feeling about inflation and how do you think the markets are going to react to this latest CPI print? Yeah, unfortunately, it's just more of the same. Um, we've been talking about inflation for a while now and it's kind of to be expected, unfortunately, uh, in terms of the the numbers keep going up and up. The Fed has finally stopped tapering. That should make a huge difference going forward. Um, but inflation is trailing. So we can see going forward how that actually affects it now that the bond buying program has come to an end. On top of that, interest rates, which should be starting to rise within this month, if not next, the market's pricing in five and a half uh, rate rises. So hopefully that makes a difference. Um, but these are things that we've been kind of telling you guys about for a while now is rates were, or interest rates were going to hopefully rise to combat inflation, but inflation was going to be a problem for a while. Um, this shouldn't really come to a surprise. The stuff in Russia and oil is obviously not helping. Um, but hopefully soon, especially with what the Fed's doing, we can start approaching a peak. Um, but things are definitely getting a little bit scary right now. It's uh, it's all-time highs and outside of market implications. It's definitely really hurting a lot of people's wallets. So we definitely feel for a lot of people who uh, their lives really get affected by this stuff. 
And it's another thing, too, that gets even scarier when you realize that a lot of, like, the pressures that initially set us on this course towards inflation wasn't even as, like, government spending did not have as much of a uh, effect on it as, um, you know, people kind of make it out to be. Like, the, the hope was, oh, okay, there's just this magic button, like, Joe Biden just needs to stop the money printer and we can all calm down. There's also, like, a lot of outside inflationary pressure that happened across the 2020, specifically when we're talking about uh, supply chain issues and commodity prices, right? And so, rather than... Um, um, you know, raise rates and calm inflation down. What happened was we raised rates at the exact moment that Russia decided to invade Ukraine and mess with a bunch of global supply chains, right? So what we're seeing is, is that not only are we going to have the same supply chain issues we already had, but there's a lot of little things coming out of this Ukraine situation that are going to add to this inflationary problem. Not only, like, and that's this is and this is excluding oil and gas. That's not necessarily priced in, but like we all understand that the gas is. I just passed by my first six dollar a gallon gas tank gas sign here in LA super fun love it luckily i'm able to find things from like 550 so uh, if you're in other parts of the world good luck to you if you're in australia i'm super sorry that's it's not fun uh, buying gas by the liter in australia they're they're uh, just complaining about passing uh, into two dollars per liter which is crazy anyway metric system who cares uh, but the other things too <laughs> we, have to, we have to think about uh wheat which uh 25 of the world's wheat comes out of russia and ukraine uh, we have to think about nickel which all of the world's high quality nickel came out of Russia, and now we've got a lot of really low-quality nickel that people are ramping up mining operations in Indonesia, the Philippines, and uh, what's the other one? Western Australia, go Eagles, um, uh, which is going to have huge implications for the EV industry. Like, we talk a lot about lithium here, but nickel's kind of like a really big contributor to EV batteries, as well as basically every industrial process. You got jet engines, you got medical equipment, you got anything that requires not just straight-up steel and also stainless steel. So uh, commodity prices across the board, all sorts of manufacturing is going to get a lot more expensive as the world uh, is reacting real bad to nickel prices going from $20,000 per whatever to 100000 They 5X'd on a single day on Monday and trading has been halted ever since. And we're just like, what's going to happen there? And another goofy one, folks, uh, is neon. 65% of the world's neon uh, is refined in Odessa, Ukraine, uh, with the remaining quarter coming out of America and a smidge coming out of Taiwan and a bigger smidge coming out of China, uh, which is critical for semiconductor uh, construction. So uh, with those prices not necessarily basically being in a huge question mark, we're going to see a lot more of the same sort of inflationary pressures, like the semiconductor shortage and the nickel situation uh, will both probably be pretty brief. Like the U.S. can spin up more uh, neon refinement, not necessarily very easily, but like in time for uh, like stores that are at various uh, neon, argon and xenon dealers uh, to not run out. And at the same time, there's actually a very big supply boon for nickel. It's just a lower quality ore that's found more in Australia, Indonesia and the Philippines. And so we need to fix our refining processes. And so what you're going to see is some pretty big shocks that are going to have long-term reverberations. Again, same deal. There was a huge reverberation from the shock of the world locking down in March of 2020. This is the same deal. You're not going to see these effects right now. You're going to see them next quarter, six months from now, a year from now even. A year from now, I'm going to be saying nickel and, oh, the nickel shortage of 2022. We're going to thunk. Um, it's mayhem, right? And so we have, to, we have to keep that in mind, that, like, it's not one of those things that as much as the government can control this via interest rates and qualitative easing, we're going to see this worldwide. And so it's not just an America problem. This is a world problem as our very, very interconnected global economy just keeps getting really nonsense hits. So uh, 
the Russia the Russian invasion could not have been a worse move, a dumber move at a worse possible time. And so, Justin, that kind of gets us into sort of thinking about how to play this, because all this really will do, inflation's not necessarily something that's going to drive the market down. Interest rates won't necessarily drive the market down. But as we slowly raise interest rates and try to do the things we can do to control the situation, we're going to see a lot of this volatility. And so that that's the main thing. As we look at the markets, as we look at the various outlooks, are there any bright spots we can, you know, keep in mind as we roll through here, as we think about all of these sort of upticks and downticks, like how do I invest my way through, through this volatility? Is there anything I can be looking for in terms of like an actual strategy? Yeah. So, um, there's a, there's a few things. So the first one is, I mean, energy is just like continuing to skyrocket. Um, the, the sector ETF for a year to date, which is two months now is up almost 36%. And over the last year, um, it's been trending through it since ever since December. Um, so, I mean, if you think oil is going to keep going up and energy prices are going to keep going up, I mean, there's really no better direct way to play just inflation and continued disruption of the supply chain. Past that, there's two different areas that we've been actively looking at. The first one is looking at tech companies that have been like just absolutely decimated. Um, stocks that are down huge from their all-time highs. And when we think about them recapturing either even a half the all-time high uh, opportunities there. So there's a lot of tech stocks that are down 80%, 70%, down huge that most people would run the other way. But we're looking at them and think that this is actually a really good buying opportunity and not necessarily for them to recapture their highs anytime soon, um, but them that they're actually finally fairly valued. Um, you look at, and this, this is mind-blowing. So if you take away anything today, like take away what I'm about to say, um, you look at companies that are growing over 30% year over year. You look at their historical averages for valuations on where they're trading. And when you look at energy value relative to forward-looking sales, the average for companies over 30% growth is around 15 to 18% in terms of enterprise value to forward-looking sales. Now they're back below those averages. For the last two years, they were, they're actually peaking at 77 times, <laughs> 77 times relative to an average of 18 is insane. It's like four or 500% more. So right now they've come down so much where they're back below average. They're not well below average, but they're below average. So yes, they can keep falling, but this is for the first time right now is a time where high growth tech stocks are actually being fairly valued for the first time in years. And so those are stocks we're looking at directly. Um, companies that are growing 15 to 30% per year are also undervalued. Um, and then companies who are growing less than 15% a year are about trading their historical averages. They're, the opportunity there is not as good. So we're looking there. Um, and then on the crypto side, we put out something recently on this on staking. We see a lot of opportunities there as well. Um, it's a good place if you believe in certain coins that we've talked about for you to just accumulate more at a cheaper price. And then we can start getting excess returns when the market starts returning to normal. 
there's so much to unpack there. So let's go back to um, uh, your text doc gambit. Are, are there? Do you have any concrete examples, like a quick list off the top of your head that you've seen that like it's time to play? Because one thing that's really awesome is watching this and being like, oh wait a minute, that's a pretty counterintuitive thing. Remember, you want to be you want to be hung, uh, you want to be greedy when people are fearful and fearful when people are greedy, right? We saw the insane greed of 2021 and us kind of pull back from like strong value positions for a bit uh, as the market began to sort of tank on these. But now that like the market is fully in tank mode, uh, what are some things that you're, what are some companies you're seeing that are kind of playing that game right now? Again, off the top of your head, not a big deal. Uh, we will be having a larger report there. But as you do this research, I'd love to get sort of like a, a, a live pick on air if you got one. Yeah, totally. So I think one of those picks and we talked, or let's, let's talk about two of them rather. Um, one that we put out last week was a company called Toast. Toast does point of sale software for restaurants specifically. Um, since their IPO, they're down like 60, 70%. So if you're looking at a stock that's like literally a bargain right now, you're looking directly at it. The valuations, just like everything else, were out of control, but now it's really come back to its norm and they're growing like crazy. And so, yeah, is the stock going to probably continue sliding down 100%? But at some point, it's going to reverse and we think it's approaching the bottom. So rather than timing it at the absolute bottom, it's good to get it when it's kind of approaching the bottom so that when it does rebound, instead of getting 100% of the upside, you know, you get 90% of the upside. The alternative is it goes up, you wait for it to come back down, it never comes back down, you never get the upside. So timing the market is impossible, um, but having a general sense of it is is much more attainable. So that's one we're looking at. And then we put out one yesterday called MongoDB. Um, I talked about the different kind of tiers before in terms of different growth buckets. You got 30% plus, 15 to 30, and then under 15. MongoDB is growing over 50%, which is insane for a company that's doing almost a billion dollars in revenue. Um, we'll see, obviously, if they can keep it up over the longer term. But when you think about their valuation and their growth, like it is insane. And over the last few years, no one's cared about valuations. They haven't mattered. If you believe in this company over the long term, they were gone up. But right now, and I can't stress it enough, valuations are more important than ever. And so not only does the company have to make well make sense financially, but their valuation and how much how expensive they are is more important than ever. So for people who are listening right now or you know a future version of this, you got to look at this stuff. It's it was never as relevant as it is now as it's been in the last, you know, almost decade. Um so those are two companies we're we're really looking at pretty strongly. Yeah, but boom times, folks, like uh, 2020 to 2021, that's technical analysis time. That's when you look at patterns on graphs and try to find the, the next peak. Uh, uh, not bust, not even bear times, but times like this, it's all about fundamentals because what will happen is, is that the market is deeply efficient, like it's the most efficient ec uh, economic machine ever devised, but it also is prone to overreaction as people sort of like are overly cautious, especially after like we are all still emotionally recovering from 2008, even if you weren't alive at that point and listening to this podcast 2008 was such a drastic hit to our confidence in the global economic system that a lot of people are only just getting into the market now what 12 years later uh meant like just a long time later i don't want to do math right now uh, yeah no i mean yeah. it's been a, it's been a while but like i i mean i guess like the last even few months have scared people but it's like I don't know. I, it's, I'm just like shocked people are surprised. I mean, we've been talking about this for months now that we said this was coming in. It's not because like we're geniuses. It's just like, it should have been obvious. Um, I mean, I hope again for people who are in the audience or people who are listening to this on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to this, like, I hope you were paying attention because like this crash 
it wasn't like 2008, 2009, where like it just no one saw it coming. This is this is something has been a long build up for a while now. Exactly. Although I should say, um, from my perspective, like we did get, you know, the initial downturn correct. The one thing I was wrong about was uh, thinking that Russia wouldn't do something as drastic, insane, cruel and pointless as actually do a full scale invasion of Ukraine and throw the entire market into even more turmoil. I was wrong on that. I've mentioned that before. But if you want to go back and read receipts, we've been calling for this drop, you know, basically since about October. Um, which is when these fears began and sort of you start that you saw like a top of the market, especially in the crypto market. Uh, if anything, crypto was the canary in the coal mine as when as soon as Bitcoin hit 69K, uh, it, we should have been like, oh, OK, so just just keep that in mind, audience, as we think about that. Uh, like these things are largely priced in. You can see the macro trends coming usually. And the main thing you have to keep in mind is that you can't predict the exact timing of things, which is why your main goal is always to be a long-term investor. Be dispassionate, gear up for sort of the big trends, and understand that most of the media is incentivized to create as much of an emotional response as possible, to get as many eyeballs as possible. What you do for us here by being paid members of Moby.co, if you are a paid member, thank you so much, by the way, is you give us the ability to not have to worry too much about market cycles as well as sort of like media cycles. We get to be dispassionate because we are directly supported by our premium members so thank you so much for that that's why the information we give out is a little bit more valuable a little less charged and ultimately just um more able to give you the best advice possible as opposed to what you see in the media. So keep that in mind. Everyone in the media is freaking out right now, but any analyst at any one of the CNBCs, WSJs, FTs of the world basically knew this was coming because this kind of, you, you, all of the fundamental signs kind of pointed to inflation driving down the market because that's just what it always does. Anyway, so let's get into the second thing you mentioned like 500 hours ago, Justin. You talked about staking a bit, which is, which is again, a very interesting long-term strategy in the crypto space. Crypto's mayhem right now. Bitcoin can't decide if it's in a bull or bear market it's just it is it is the king of bounces no one shows the volatility better than bitcoin and bitcoin is kind of leading uh the altcoin market and altcoin season is just uh, harrowing to look at so justin as you think about that i like that you're focusing on staking as an analyst because it's a really strong solid long-term plan it kind of gets you out of thinking too much about sort of like the the hodl philosophy can you take me through a just to precisely what staking is in the crypto space and then b like some of the altcoins that you're excited to be like a part of the staking for i mean i know which ones i am but i want to hear from you and then i'll kind of give my perspective as well yeah, totally. Um, I mean, staking in general is like very similar to what happens at a bank. You give a bank money, they pay you interest. Granted, the interest is basically zero, but they pay you interest. Um, factor in inflation, though, and you're literally losing money. And so if you think about a place that you want to park cash or you want to park just any sort of asset that isn't accumulating wealth, staking is a really good way to do it. And so what staking is is for a lot of these proof-of-stake systems, whether it's Ethereum, Solana, I mean, there's a ton. What you do is basically the same thing. But rather than give a bank your money, you're giving a validator on the blockchain your money. And these validators are trusted sources. You give them your money, and then you stake your coins. And if you have enough of your coins, you, in theory, can do it yourself. You don't need a validator. But you stake your coins, and then you get paid rewards in order to secure the network. And those rewards are often... 10, 15, 20%. Um, granted, you're getting paid in a fluctuating asset. So, you know, a dollar today is not a dollar tomorrow and not a dollar the day after that. So, like, we really need to be cognizant of that. But getting paid in these assets, especially while they're, you know, very sold off, is a great way to accumulate more of them. And so, when they start appreciating, not only are you getting paid that interest payment still, 
but you've actually accumulated 10, 20, 30% more, depending how many years you've been doing it, relative to what you bought in at. So if you buy 10 Solana and you're getting you know, a 10% yield, after 10 years, that 10 Solana is now 20 Solana. And if the price from Solana goes to 100 to 200, not only did you just double in price, but you also doubled in the amount of holdings you had. So if you're looking for a way to like really hold assets, accumulate passive income, again, granted it's fluctuating, but accumulate passive income, staking is a super easy way to do it. We did, we, for our premium members, we, we were a really long piece on how to do this. Um, we talked about what the best coins were to stake um, and then ultimately how to do it. Um, but if you're looking to do it, it, it's it's really straightforward. I mean, if you're for Solana, for example, if you have a, which is like one of the most common wallets for Solana, you just literally go into your Solana wallet, click your holdings, and there's a button right there that says stake. It's that easy. Um, you're definitely taking some risk. You know, it's not risk free, um, but it's a, it's a really good way right now to get some passive income. Exactly. And from my perspective, like Solana's, you know, one of the great ones to stake. I'm also currently my main stake play right now is well, actually, embarrassingly, my main stake uh, monetarily, my main stake play right now is still Olympus Dow, um, which my position's down big as the Dow space tries to figure out exactly uh, if it's going to make a comeback or not, Olympus Dow's down a bit. I have a lot of confidence that Olympus Dow can come back, like they've taken a lot of punches and not gone down the way Time Wonderland did. But if I'm thinking more on a stable side of staking, the one that I'm most excited about is the staking I've done for Avalanche. So just to mention Solana, I'm going to mention Avalanche, and I believe both of us actually are also playing a little bit in the Algorand space because we're both really excited about all the potential that Algorand has. Um, but those are the those are the main ones that I'm doing right now. Obviously not financial advice, do your own research, of course. Um, if you're a premium member, you can check that out over, you know, at Moby.co. If you'd like to be a premium member, obviously hit up Moby.co and just, you know, we, we, can, we can set you up in lots of ways. But audience, if you have any questions about, you know, other places to stake, other methods by which you can do staking, obviously hit us up. If you're listening to this as a recording, you can hit us up at hello at Moby.co or if you're here on, or just feel free to join our Discord. I have always, I always have links in these Spotify recordings as well to our Discord to, you know, join these conversations live. Feel free to hit us up there. But Justin, as we sort of like round out here, we're kind of approaching the end. Like obviously, the game is long term right now. We can't predict whether what's going to happen with this volatility. Like uh, the inflationary cycle was coming for a long time and well reported. The CPI had been rising since June of 2021, basically. And we'd been talking about it since July of 2021, which is why we air quotes saw this coming. But with the Ukraine situation, like the whole board has been flipped right? Uh, it's very hard to see based on markets, like what's going to happen. Because if you were looking at from a market perspective and a material analysis perspective, the last thing you'd want to do as Russia was invade Ukraine. Um, so when you think about that, you sort of think about that mayhem. Uh, how do we sort of begin thinking about uh, uh, making sure that we have sort of long term growth throughout this volatility? You've given me a great example in terms of finding companies that are being um, via market sentiment undervalued. That's awesome. Anything else we can think about in terms of like broad Trends. Obviously, a lot of crypto is being undervalued right now as well. Uh, high tech, high growth tech companies are being undervalued. Is there anything else we can think about in terms of like looking where the market's fleeing and finding ways to play? Um, obviously, I'm not buying gold right now. The time to buy gold was uh, July of last year. Uh, if you did, good for you. I'm very proud of you. Um, but uh, anything else that even has like moderate more room to run, so to speak, from your perspective as we look to the week ahead? Yeah, I mean, crypto is obviously one of them. Um, I mean, it's probably going to continue getting crushed, but like it will eventually rebound. And that's the best thing about being a long-term investor. You don't have to care when it rebounds. You, all you have to do is care if it rebounds. Um, so that's something that's, you know, whether it takes three months, three years, it's it's impossible to say, but that will rebound at some point, like 99% certainty there. 
Um, past that, you're looking, you know, year to date or even one year, <clears throat> excuse me, one year returns like healthcare is another area. I mean, it's up 15% in the last year, um, but it's really not where it should be. And then on top of that, financials, that's another great area. Interest rates rising. Financials should do really well in a rising interest rate environment. And year to date, it just hasn't been doing well. Um, there are some people calling for rates to rise over the next few years um, a lot more than other people are calling for. I saw an estimate from a very trusted source saying the 10-year rate um, would be around 4 or 5%, which is insane relative no to what it is today. No yeah. way. Dude. If you, want to take, if you want to take out a mortgage and the 10-year rate is at 4 or 5%, good luck. It's... I mean, you look at mortgage rates over the last 30 years, they've been sliding for 30 years. I don't even know how, you know, the older generation of people afforded a house when they were taking out 30-year rates <laughs> around the 15% mark. Um, and I'm not saying that's happening tomorrow, but if the 10 years going to four or five, that's some scary stuff for, for rates and for a lot of people, but it should be good for financials, especially people who have um, a lot of exposure to floating interest rate and so with floating interest rates they should really make money i mean the the market i think is still really undervaluing it it should rebound nicely and and that's a critical thing to keep in mind too there's always going to be trade-offs we don't necessarily live in a zero-sum market anymore audience like we live in a market that is uh very capable of creating more value than it's that has ever been created before and it's real value but it needs to be said that with big trends like this there's always going to be trade-offs so you're going to have higher interest rates but you're going to be increasing your financial positions and they're going to grow in a way that helps offset the pain you feel in terms of you know your money having less value and the other thing you can do as well is not look at a CPI number of 7.9%. Uh, you look at the overall number and you look at the various uh, commodities that are above and below and you try to adjust your spending to sort of get around that, keeping in mind that uh, the main expenditures right now are uh, used cars, energy, and gasoline, if you look at the CPI print, whereas food inflation is right on that 7% mark, which makes sense. Food manufacturing got a little bit difficult uh, with supply chain issues and is going to kind of stay there, especially with wheat basically being taken out of the equation. Uh, we live in corn country now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, stop thinking about bread, start thinking about tortillas and tofu. Uh, um, uh, but as you think about that audience, like just try to find those, try to find those prices that have gone up, try to log as best you can so you can sort of like spread your spending around, spread your, this is why you diversify too, and you sort of maintain that diversification in your portfolio. So what I've loved about this, Justin, is we've had like a really uh, solid sort of like, I'm amazed these things are half an hour. That felt like we talked for five minutes. Um, but audience, if you have any, uh, have you any other questions for us, again, always hit me up here on Discord. I'm at MobyStar or just email us at hello at Moby.co. Meanwhile, Justin Kramer, uh, CEO, chief analyst here. Um, thank you so much as always for giving us your perspective, giving us sort of that long-term view and giving us your insider information, Re, what people are thinking about in terms of interest rates. God help you. If you want to buy a house in the next five years. Um, but Justin, from your perspective, like any final thoughts from you, anything else that we didn't cover, anything you want to make sure our audience knows before we go ahead and close this thing out? No, I mean, the only thing we shockingly haven't talked about is the Ukraine and Russia stuff. There's really not much from an inside perspective that we can offer that you're not seeing on the news or elsewhere. But I mean, again, we're here to help out. If anyone here is listening that has family in Ukraine or other areas of Eastern Europe and they need help. They need donations. We're we're here to help out. Um, we've already started to do that, and you know we don't want we don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So please just message us. Um, we want to use our platform not only for investing purposes but also helping out um, in other ways we can. So just let us know. 
Precisely. And again, audience, if you're listening to this on a recording that's DMing me directly on Discord, I'm at MobyStar, or just emailing us hello at Moby.co. And not even just individuals who are in Ukraine or have family in Ukraine. If you have any preferred charities you, you know and work with and would love you know Moby to be a part of supporting, let us know. We will absolutely you know uh, get right on that. Like It's an absolute tragedy what's happening. It's senseless, pointless, and just... Uh, painful to, to watch and think about and even more painful when you come onto a podcast like this and it's just a bunch of yokels yakking about the numbers and not the staggering human tragedy that is this invasion of Ukraine. So I appreciate your patience with me as we do our job, which is talking about the numbers behind it, not necessarily the news and the human perspective. Everyone has to kind of do their job in the media, right? So I appreciate your patience there. Otherwise, audience, it's been a really awesome time talking with you today. I really appreciate all the questions I got in DMs. Again, any other questions you ever have, folks, feel free to hit me up. Um, not even during these live talks, but just, you know, in general, I always, I always, I always want to make sure that I am tailoring these discussions precisely to your needs, our brilliant and probably beautiful audience. Justin Kramer, CEO and co-founder here at Moby.co. Thanks so much for your time. I uh, just really appreciate all your perspective here today. Audience, I really appreciate y'all being here, but for now, I'm just going to go ahead and read the credits. Just so you know, this uh, audience, this podcast was produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. All the amazing advice and sort of intellectual uh, information you got here today came from Justin Kramer, our CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst. If you want, if you like all of our analysis, here hit us up at moby.co if you want to see more like of what we do hit us up on instagram as well as youtube that's youtube.com slash c slash moby invest otherwise feel free to join us here on discord for these conversations and just be a part of it it's been really awesome being here with you ladies and gentlemen we have so much more coming for you in terms of like better understanding your financial health and better understanding how to build your portfolio we're really excited for all the things on the horizon but for now i think it's a good place to leave it so as always i'd like to leave you with peace love and incremental gains everyone be well thank you so much